Welcome to Lineouts by Earful of Dirt, bringing you conversations with rugby newsmakers about the greatest sport on the planet. Welcome to Earful of Dirt Lineouts, where we focus on interviews. And today, uh, I'm riding solo, but I've got Dan Lyle, the director of AEG Rugby, a commentator also with NBC. You see him around with that big guy, uh, Alex Corbisiro, uh, on NBC Sports from time to time. And we've also got Paul Morgan, the uh, communications director for Premiership Rugby. Good afternoon or good morning, whatever time it is with you. It's morning here on the Pacific Coast. So, so Dan, we, you and I, have a, a relative connection between amongst friends and also where we went to college. Yes. For uh, those not completely in tune, uh, Dan Lyle uh, went to the Virginia Military Institute where he was a NCAA Division One football player. And then, you know, he did something different. His story is well known if you are a a VMI rugby player. Dan, so the big one for me is, so this partnership with the the premiership in AEG rugby, I want to equate it to the, uh, the NFL game in London. So exporting the American football brand to the UK and to, to Europe, even though they withdrew from the NFL Europe investment after what seemed like 20 years of, of playing, you know, American football. But if we have long-term high-quality rugby coming to the United States, that's an expansion of the fan base, but you've also put together uh, something pretty awesome with Premiership Rugby with uh, scholarships for players and coaches to attend Aviva Premiership Academies. So um, I'm not sure how many of those are questions or how many of those are statements, but uh, I will uh, endeavor and Paul will uh... – <laughs> Correct me and jump in, and we will we will decipher both in American and in English uh, version as we go. Um, yes, I am an old boy in English words or an alumni like you of uh, the Virginia military, uh, and uh, it's a uh, it, it's a noble institution, as we say, that's uh, produced a lot of uh, quality individuals um, and uh, and and those that represent uh, like you. Um, uh, us uh, in, uh, in defense of our country. So thanks very much for, uh, for being on uh, your, your service. Uh, and um, that, that regard, you know, uh, Morgs is uh, doing a little walkabout with us. So, uh, so he can get to where he's going. It's, it's, it, it, look, it's modern technology. We're live, right? It's awesome. <laughs> you now we get to see it all. Look, um, to answer the question, football um, and American series, I think there's, Morris, correct me if I'm wrong. There might be six or seven games, including a couple at Twickenham um, this year uh, for the NFL. And but look, that's been a um, that's been a progression. Yeah, that's been a progression um, since uh, since the NFL was on in the '80s, um, and uh, and we're really in a lot of ways uh, we're not. American football, nor are we soccer, right? We're not, those are the two biggest sports in the world for obvious reasons. Uh, football by way of it's, because it's America's number one sport in football because it's the world's biggest sport. Uh, rugby doesn't, we don't, we don't want to compare ourselves to those sports. We actually want to be compatible and uh, collaborative with those two sports as best we can. Uh, and whenever we can, uh, they're such monoliths and, and themselves. But I think that, that our, what we what we like to do is think think of that uh, 
the entering um, uh, the American series is, is, is a beachhead or an entry point uh, beyond the, the broadcast um, that NBC did last year uh, with the Aviva Premiership uh, and the scholarships and the programs uh, means that we're creating something long-term sustainable uh, that, uh, that we can all look upon uh, 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 year after year and, and progress it. So it's, uh, um, there's some parallels to the NFL and the international series. And then there's, there's others where there's a, I think Paul's actually trying to uh, make us seasick in the middle of this conversation. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, look, there's, there's some, there's some I think for me, if you compare the two, the two ventures, if you like, I mean, what I haven't seen in England is an attempt to grow the game of American football in England as a participation sport. Um, they're bringing NFL, which is the, one of the greatest leagues in the world to here, and they cause a lot of excitement and they have a lot of people that, a lot of people that, uh, that come along. But what they're not trying to do, I guess, is bring more American football players to England, whereas we're trying to do exactly that. We're trying to grow the game in this partnership with USA Rugby, with AEG and with NBC Sports. We're trying to help grow the game in America. And that's really important. And that's why this has got to be seen as a kind of multi-layered thing. When we took our very first game to New York in, in March 2016, that was about a rugby match at a stadium. And that, that's, now, that's now developed. As you mentioned earlier, we've got the scholarships going on tonight in New York is our first um, clinic, our first coaching clinic from this event. And we're carrying those on as well. Excellent. You know, on the day, we're going to have children playing flag rugby in the morning. We've got Oxford University playing the All-American team. This is in, in Philadelphia on the 16th. And I think, so I think for us, it's got many, many judgments of success. And that's probably where I'd put it in, um, you know, in terms of comparing it to that, to the NFL. I mean, look, everything the NFL does, we'd want to, we'd want to try and do as well. They're, they're a, they are the example uh, one, I think, of how you grow a sport, but we're trying to, I guess, grow it from the grassroots up, which is slightly what they're doing. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see the, the NFL actually investing in England, but I've seen uh, sort of like how it is here with rugby, but not because we've had a, we have a long history of playing rugby, just not or died for about 40 years, but now all of a sudden universities are starting to adopt in England, American football as like a, what we call a club sport versus, uh, you know, the, the scholarship level sports of say football, soccer, and basketball in the United States. Cause it's, it's small, but it's something, and it's all grassroots. The NFL doesn't seem to have any investment whatsoever in what I've seen of the sport of American football expanding in the UK and in Europe. So that yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah, look, Morgs is right. I mean, they, br they brought the brands to Europe in, a, in an incredibly successful way, and they will go to Twickenham again, and we will queue around the block to get the tickets. So, you know, I think what the NFL have done is is, is a fantastic thing in England, and we would look at them as a way to promote sport. It's fantastic, but we're not, you know, we're not in that league. Clearly, you know, they are going to sell maybe sixty, seventy thousand tickets a number of times in in venues here because. They are the NFL, but we're not. We have slightly different objectives, and as I say, that 
the partnership that we've got. We're about growing the game, about, you know, increasing participation. And, you know, USA Rugby, are that's one of the reasons they're one of our partners. And we're really grateful for the work they've done for us already. And those are the sort of success terms. And as you said, the scholarships, you know, I mean, God, it's going to be 20 uh, young people and 10 coaches. And who knows where that journey is going to end for some of those kids and, and those coaches. We'd love to think that that's going to start a journey from them that could end in them playing, uh, uh, you know, rugby back in America for the Eagles. Who knows? But it's um, so that there are there are different objectives, I suppose, is, is the best way to describe it. But yes, you'd want to try and uh, uh, copy anything the NFL did because they do such a great job. So with with the the scholarships, uh, do you see with the scholarships and say with the American series, do you see a further expansion possibly being two games? Look, we're not yeah, we're not going to say we're not going to say no to anything, you know, together. But, you know, the, I think the the comprehensive uh, uh, success story comes from analyzing the, the entire approach this year you know, to the development part of it, to the, to the game itself, you know, to, to the, uh, uh, to how it's fitting into the, to the season and uh, uh, for the premiership, as well as the American rugby season. And I think that's the, the, the probably the main point of answer to that question is that where, where is the best place for these games to be situated within the, within the overall American series, you know, and just grabbing that little cash flow comment, you said, where does it fit within the commercial strategy of American rugby? Um, you know, collectively, um, and I think that that well, those some the answers of, of the weekend. You know, we we've got teams that are competing that weekend that are that are that are in that region. We've got people that are dropping everything and getting on buses and coming, and people flying from Louisiana and all kinds. There's lots of different stories of how you populate. You know, the stadium. Uh, we held some of the scholarships and the and the coach uh, for the coaches and the players, not just from those that attend the camps regionally, but from for, for those that are in the United States, that we, this is truly a, a, a United States branding conversation. But our initial beachhead is is kind of the eastern seaboard, you know, the the, the Boston to D.C., the, the clinics in, in New York, North Jersey, Philly, and D.C., and, and combining that together with the reaction and the fans from that area uh, will allow us to align to our year two strategy. And certainly we'll never say no to multiple games, but, you know, we uh, – we need we need to assess that and, and get through this year, and we're really coming to it now. I mean, it's it's a it's frantic pace right now to to do everything that we're doing, and, and we're literally creating something. Um, and that and and when you create something, um, you have to think about now, and you have to think about the midterm and the long term. AEG thinks like that. We think on three, five, and ten year horizons, uh, and certainly that allows us to uh, allows us not to just get narrowed in on the here and the now and and we're pretty excited you know, to say to say the least but it's um it's a it's going to be a progression just like every drill that you do you know when you pick up the ball i know you've talked about having a business plan and lacking a business plan going forward for the the major organization that runs rugby in the united states and how it fits with aeg and your commercial enterprise with premiership well the the premiership um Let's think of it like this. Let's think of it that um, I'm a I'm a coach. Um, uh, I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I'm an athletic director. I'm somebody that has interest in rugby, uh, or I'm one of those people that wants to get people interested in the game. For 30 years, how did you watch rugby? You had to go to a bar and watch it, right? The, the Premiership. Uh, there, there. For for a decade, 
uh, two decades when I played, there was a Fox Sports deal. For a long time, there was a there was a singular one-off based upon maybe that June or November conversation. You may or may not got something on television, and occasionally something blipped up, right? Occasionally. Now, uh, what the Premiership uh, partnership over the last year has allowed with NBC is allowed is allowed a consistent platform that that is being that is evolving for everybody to know where there's world-class, consistent rugby on linear television, as well as for those of us that are in the, in the rugby world, you know, all 134 matches through their digital platform. And they're adding, and they added the Rugby World Cup. Uh, they responded to how well our women did to this, to, the, to adding, uh, adding the semifinal. They're, they had 15s World Cups, and there's other content coming online. I think that allows all of a sudden for everybody to say that there's there's world class real 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 season of rugby on broadcast, and, and if you're going to be a if you're going to be a commercial entity, uh, or or whether it's our test matches, whether that's neutral games like this, you know that are coming together playing, all of those things are going to fit into this commercial broadcast strategy for America. So this alignment of a season of rugby uh, then allows clubs and the grassroots to align to that. I mean, if you ask them when to play and then you try to put something on top of it or vice versa, there's always a challenge. But the, the, if we're able to build, build enough content, and, and like we said, this game may change to the spring. It may push back a little bit later in the fall. We might add a second. But that's, the, that's through this partnership strategy of all of a sudden it's available to actually have these conversations. And that's something that never existed. And, and we're doing it with USA Rugby because – that is the one issue that they have. They don't have a consistent season of rugby domestically or internationally. And so we are part of the solution to help align that. So the intimacy that myself and the premiership and NBC has with Dan Payne, you know, and his organization to be able to support as they roll out and build their, their abilities, we're able to be, uh, you know, that partner that builds them along the way. So I don't think there's a, there's a given answer, but if you don't have, um, a, a consistent week in and week out knowledge base of where where rugby is going to be played, then you're really going to be suffering. And uh, I think that we're, uh, we're we're really excited that we're able to offer you know part of that solution. As Dan just stated, like offering consistent, high quality uh, professional rugby in the United States for viewing, I think is tremendous. So you guys are providing the content for us to view, and that is. It's aspirational because Americans will see the professional content and say, hey, that's fun. Hey, I want to be that guy. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, you know, we had a lot of success here when we were when there was a big campaign to promote women's sports. And the big phrase we used here is if you want to be it, you've got to see it. And I think that applies to rugby in America without question. You need young people, boys and girls to see it. And then they want to be it. They will understand it then. I mean, you know, up to a few years ago, if you wanted to find out what rugby in America looked like over here, some people were still showing the episode of Friends where Ross plays the game, you know. So we kind of want to show people that rugby is about more than that. And I think, but if we want to encourage the next generation of American boys and girls to play rugby, we've got to be able to, to show it to them. And I think that's the beauty of the NBC Sports you know, program and the gold. I mean, I see it in our social media. We get nothing but compliments about what NBC are doing all the time because you're right. That's what they want is consistency. 
And when we started our uh, new television contract with BT Sport, which has kind of, in a sense, started us on this journey, one of the things we were looking for was an appointment to view. You know, we wanted to create your Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football is probably the biggest and most successful brand of in sport in TV in the world. Now, we're never going to do that. Sports, sports, sports. Actually, it's been outstripped by Sunday Night Football, the NBC project. <laughs> yes. so, uh, no, just uh, uh, in conjunction with Thursday Night Football. Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Um, just, you know. Sunday Night Football. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to seeing that at the weekend anyway. But the point being that um, we try to create a consistency of appointments to view in here. So we have a game at 7.45 on a Friday night. We have a game most weeks, three o'clock on Sunday, on Saturday, and then another one, three o'clock on Sunday. And we may have games around that. So we try to create that consistency for fans in England. And I, as I say, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. The gold offering from MEC Sports is creating that consistency now in America. It's going to take a little bit of time to grow, but now people know one place they can pretty much get it all. And, and as Dan mentioned earlier, now I was delighted. I'm a big fan of, of women's rugby. It's brilliant to see NBC Sports picking up that, that game. And, and, you know, if anything is going to inspire the next generation of girls to want to play rugby, it's seeing that, you know, that, that US women's team do so well at the World Cup and, and giving the two biggest teams a big, a big fright. So, you know, I think that if they want, to, they want to be it, they've got to see it. So I think the NBC part of this you know, jigsaw is 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 absolutely crucial to to the growth of the game. Aaron, just the last point with the Premiership, it in essence uh, is is the string that connects the popcorn, right? So you're able to add the Women's World Cup, you're able to add you know um, the other World Cups and sevens and 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 soon to be some other significant international content that are that are generally um, within a, within a certain month or month and a half windows, right? Uh, this this premiership the, the 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 season long allows you to do things, you know, and and, and allows people to invest and, and build together. So that so the broader NBC platform of just the media connectivity um, is a season in itself, right? That that that's let's really be honest with what that looks like. It's a season. So you know we're talking about when do boys and girls and men and women play the game in America? You know that complements that season. When do we add our our linear our test matches? When do we add a, a game like this within that, within that availability? That, that's the unlocking of America is that, is that process, you know? And so well, now that we have literally that string, you know, and, and, and some of those popcorn nuggets where it, there's a level of uh, an appointment to view, it allows us to, to take step two, you know, and, uh, and build, some, you know, actually ticketed, event-oriented, uh, but again, has to be consistent year-after-year stuff people to get excited about again nbc provides you know other content with the international stuff that we saw uh from the women's world cup uh televising all the usa matches uh through over the top and then with demand increase uh through linear platform on nbcsn which was uh the whole production that you guys uh rugby, world rugby and then nbc put together for the usa stuff was uh awesome especially having uh, Phaedra Knight in there uh, to talk on the, uh, the NBCSN broadcast, which was, uh, you know, just having not only high-quality American commentators, but high qual since it was a women's match, high-quality women's commentator for the Women's Rugby World Cup, whereas I would say decades, the, it was sports reporting was a closed shop to men because 
just I would say just the way things were at the time. Yeah, look, it's not it's not a uh, it's not taken lightly. It's 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 a progression. Um, the the male uh, women's game and the men's game, you know, and, and we uh, uh, Morgs. If you look at you know just the way that he communicates to people in general across the uh, across the spectrum of his social media and his personal accounts and so forth, is one of the strongest advocates for the women's game and women's sport around there. I have a, a mother and a sister that were you know, collegiate athletes and, and 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 so forth. So we, you know, that's why we when we did the scholarship program, we made sure that the ten boys and ten girls. Um, we're, we're, we're going to be part of that. And the coaching is, uh, system is open to everybody. You know, we're not, we're not saying that uh, by any stretch of the imagination that we're there and we're with it, that there's a level, uh, uh, but when there's a recognition of high quality and the recognition that, that can be done, um, my point would be is that the premiership of connectivity to the game has allowed, uh, has allowed NBC to do those things like bring a phaser in and do the, those things because they're able, they have a consistent product and they're able to, to amplify that product with other, with other stuff. And I can tell you, it's not, it's not breaking and there's no, there's no, um, um, specificity to this, but, uh, the international content that will be on NBC in the short term here will, will, will overly complement you know, um, the, uh, the, the gold package as well as the premiership. It's uh, there's some stuff that's coming on board that will, that everybody will be, uh, hugely hugely excited about teaser teaser alert that's outstanding by itself um so i think we've really covered all the 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 greatness of bringing the premiership to the united states so far and really like to get into a bit of each of your backgrounds uh paul like i said before this call i was a little ignorant of who you were but you are a very accomplished uh, rugby journalist and author and so what of the 12 books rugby books you've written what would be the one for an american or even an englishman to read on rugby well okay i think my lewis moody and chris ashton books are probably now not even in circulation anymore but um i guess it's the history of rugby that one i probably one of my first history of rugby where i really enjoyed that i think we even got um as I like to call him, uh, rugby's favourite American, Dan Lyle, in there somewhere. Because for me, you know, I started um, out in just about covering rugby when it was an amateur sport. So I went through that journey from amateur professionalism, and a lot of that book was probably detailed in that and detailed in what changed in rugby during that time. So I think I had probably had most fun looking at that, and I guess if you wanted an intro to rugby, that that would be it it's um you know it's 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 an incredible journey really to think that premiership rugby is in its 21st season now uh, and that we're playing a game in philadelphia in less than a fortnight it's it's incredible really no one would really have believed it um you know at the beginning uh, when the game turned professional is you know you guys will know overnight literally that people sat in a room when should we go professional and everyone went okay so the game in a sense is still recovering from that uh, seismic shock that went through rugby but it's um you know that the, it, it has it come on in, in leaps and bounds and as i say for us to be sitting here um you know just 20 years in to think we're playing a game uh you know in, in america is incredible and i guess shows you the impetus and i think from our perspective a lot of it comes from our clubs you know we have club owners who are entrepreneurial guys who 
are pushing the boundaries all the time, wanting us to move on, wanting to try new things, wanting to get attendances up, wanting to get TV numbers up. So we're always on our toes through that as well. So, you know, the game's moved on hugely. And uh, I think, uh, I think it's, it's, only, it's only going to grow more. And if we can just, you know, tweak a little bit more of the American public in our great game, then it, it's going to go, it's going to fly, you know, incredibly well. Thank you on that. And, and Dan, so you went from NCAA football player at a small Division One college to eventually captaining Bath and then becoming a rugby executive, both with USA Rugby, uh, United World Sports, and now AEG Rugby as the director. What we're seeing here is starting the growth of the sport at high-level athletes. Uh, you and I had discussed previously uh, – the uh, Oklahoma University player, Najee Bassoon, who is also an Oklahoma University rugby player. He uh, had a couple carries just this last weekend, uh, but also played a rugby match the day before. Yeah, Paul, I don't know if you know this, but uh, this, is un this is unbelievable. It's kind of, I'm, I'm trying to get the backstory from the Oklahoma coaches, who I know pretty well. But uh, this guy, Najee Bassoon, um, played rugby on Friday night for the University of Oklahoma, right? Scored a try literally played a, played a 15s rugby match. The next day, he played in front of 86,000 people, college football, and ran and, and had a couple of carries at running back. I mean, that- What's he, it's, what's he doing a week on Saturday? Well, it's, 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 it's literally like, how did that happen? I mean, what coaches, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, the player welfare meets the whole, you know, how, do you, how did all this stuff happen? And it's, it's literally crazy. You know, it's not like Nate Ebner doing the off season playing, you know, the, the you know, playing sevens in, in the spring and NFL in the fall. That in itself is, you know, Olympics and NFL. And it's, it's crazy, right? You know, um, but to do it back to back days within 24 hours. I mean, it's not like in football, you're playing. Yeah. You know, full, and he only had a couple of runs, right? So and it wasn't so, and they were they were playing against a team that wasn't as good as they beat them pretty handily. So I think that's he kind of came in as the third or fourth string and got a couple of runs. But it's just pretty remarkable. Look, um, the we 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 are dripping with athletes in America, right? Um, the 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 identification of athletes is you go to a mall in America and find some pretty significantly cool. Uh, talented athletes, you know, um, you know, the, the, the ability to commit them and develop them is a financial thing as well as, as well as, a um, you know, having a, um, a competition for them to play in, you know? So that's the, that's the gap and that's the market gap, the gap analysis that you would do for us to unlock, you know, and certainly, um, if, if more, if, if more and more football teams, basketball teams, track and field teams in high school are allowing their athletes to play rugby, we get that athlete earlier, you know, as part of that, you know, that those two, two things combined of, 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 of accelerating the, the sport, you know, a multi-sport athlete from youth and high school level. I mean, my kids uh, are playing rugby, you know, at six, seven, eight years old, you know, and I didn't play until I was 22, you know, so, you know, that, you know, there, uh, th there's so much more availability to them as multi that's out there. So, I mean, uh, if the Lyle family aren't playing, we're in trouble, aren't we? With that, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, yeah. I, you know, I think I, I think it was once. I think Nick Mallet, the old um, South Africa coach, once said it about England. If England get it right, look out the rest of the world. Well, okay, look, if USA get it right in rugby, look out 
everybody because you know their potential is enormous and you say they're dripping with athletes they're dripping with athletes who could cross over let alone dripping with athletes who could start as you say at eight nine ten so that's what we want you know why rugby union would love an, an american team getting into semi-finals and finals of world cups would be incredible uh, and you know you've got the sevens coming up too so that's a start but no we we would you know it, anything that could be done to tap into that market of american sports athlete uh, american athletes but men and women well any, anyone would grab a chance of that you you don't see it much in the united states uh, i think the two big time rugby uh, executives uh, currently for the united states that were eagles and now you know in corporate level executive spots are yourself dan and then the other dan Dan Payne, uh, you, uh, you in a commercial venture and he, uh, after having built two different rugby programs in San Diego state and then life and then being an athletic director at life university and then transitioning over to lead USAR, uh, in the last year. So how does commercial opportunity present itself to you right when you left, uh, right when you left the premiership, when you retired from professional rugby? Yeah, I, you know, I certainly don't think that you, uh, at any level, need to have been a, um, an international or a capped athlete to be a highly successful executive in sports uh, and, and, or in rugby, um, by any case. But you do have to have a significant working knowledge of what we call in America, you know, the varsity locker room and in and, and professional sports, the professional locker room, as a player, a coach, or an administrator. You have to understand, you know, what that looks like. And look, um, the, the, the player development side through the players' associations, through the clubs, through, through, the player, through, through, through uh, Bath announced a big uh, three-year deal with, uh, with, uh, with Bath University today on, on, on the whole development strategy of the athletes. I, I got into that early with Bath. I got into the Players Association early. I, I became part of the, the, uh, the executive early. I, I think that was because they, uh, they, uh, they knew that I could, uh, I could talk and not get worried about pick, getting picked for England. You know, uh, so um, all the other guys were, were kind of in that mood. But, um, you know, I, I, knew, I knew from the beginning that, that, um, that I wasn't going to be a coach um, or that, I, that that wasn't the realm that I was going down. And then and then leaving Leicester early and coming over and working for USA Rugby when World Rugby or then the IRB started to make the first um, uh, development grants for performance and how, how we get better. Um, and I think like Dan, and we're going to trade that, the trademark that, the two Dans, right, at some point. Um, but not, not like, Dan, like Dan, we, um, you know, who, who came out and started working, you know, at the, at the grassroots level of, of college and building his way up and then, you know, becoming coach. I think that, you know, you don't you don't instantly jump in. If somebody is instantly parachuted in, they're of, of extreme aptitude, or um, or you're surrounding them with really competent, um, experienced people. So, look, Aaron, I'm just, you know, uh, you know, uh, one of the first guys to do it, and um, uh, but I was preparing myself the whole time. You know, I was I was looking at that this is something that that I probably wanted to jump into afterwards, and that, and anytime anybody, whether it's at, a, at the RBA, or whether it's a, I gave a speech to the all the sevens all Americans at, at, at Rugby Town Sevens. You know, the sport is so fragile. You know, as a as a as a player and as a coach, that you've got to be thinking about the next thing 
you know, and what you're going to do in your life, uh, you know, um, and, and, you know, don't be afraid to, to, uh, you know, to reach out to people and ask questions because you've got to, you get rugby is a game of aptitude to, as well. I was a better player doing and thinking about, you know, the sport and, and life on, on multiple different planes, not just, you know, the X's and O's, you know, in the scrums and, and dark places of the game that, that, that you have to do when you're a player. Paul, I think you could probably talk more to this. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of the premiership clubs, especially now, and, and Dan could probably talk about it when he was at, at Bath and, and Leicester, uh, there seems to be a lot of continuing education programs to set up the athletes for life outside of rugby. So how does, how does the continuing education part build into the premiership? Because you don't really see it in American sports like that. Might have lost him. He's, in, he's got the unknown icon on our on our screen here. So yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think I think the Premiership and the Players Association take great pride, knowing that you know that most rugby athletes are not, aren't making enough money to retire on, uh, but there is enough commercial capacity and enough financial capacity now that there's you can invest in things as well as that you you need to have a multi prong look at yourself. I mean. One of the best players in the world that's coming over were Saracens, you know, Itoji, uh, uh, British and Irish Lions, second row, back row, fantastic. He, uh, you know, he was finishing his degree, you know, um, just finished his degree, you know, at 21, 22. My old teammate who's now one of the coaches at England, Steve Borthwick, you know, went to the University of Bath when we were going there. I took some credits there for my postgraduate, you know. Um, I think that, that people, you know, that they're they're giving days off not just for the rest of the body or your body to rest, but to actually get internships and do different things. And there's also there's a there's a an enhanced program, and each club has a development officer and all that stuff going on. I, I think you know, I, I think there is a lot of that in U.S. sport as well. I just think that that because we come through the collegiate system, it's usually not attached back to finishing degrees and getting degrees and that kind of stuff. And, and then taking it into a business place. Cause a lot of people are, um, but there's so many business ventures within our sport sports. Um, I think that there are some parallels, but rugby is rugby is not football and it's not soccer. Like we talked about before. And so you've got to be thinking about your, your, your way you're going to earn your money and make a living when you're, after you put up the, uh, put up your boots, you know, after a couple of years or 10 years, you know, there was a, I was thinking about it this morning uh, in a discussion I've had with someone else before that about the growth of different sports in the United States and how equipment manufacturers are, are tied into the growth of that sport. But, but what happens when the commercial money is there? Well, I think we push, all, I think we all would recognize, you know, that, that, that Facebook meme and so forth with an American football um it's got all the pads and it's got rugby and it's got the mouth guard, right? You know, um, and, uh, you know, what, what, what the value proposition is. Uh, I, I think that it's a numbers game, right? It's a, it's a conversation about how many people play the game um, and to what level do we spend to collectivize money, buy equipment, the growth rates and all those things. And that's, that's a story to be told to manufacturers. That's, that's a story to be told, you know, on behalf of the membership, on behalf of, you know, on behalf of everybody to get to get some of the bigger people, the Adidas and the Under Armors and Nikes and so forth involved in the game beyond the rugby equipment suppliers and you know and so forth. So it's it's a it's a conversation that comes with the development of your game. And uh, you know, I, I certainly think that 
uh, all of that money and all of that stuff comes out of, of, of growth. And, and if you were to do a full strategic analysis of the United States, I think you'd probably come up with two ways that you're going to grow the game. You know, one is program development and one is coach, uh, coach development, right? Because the coach in essence is at the head of the program and the, head of the program is, is on and off the field. And how do we become, you know, out of more endowments, more players, more interconnectivity between youth and men's clubs and all the things that are going on, that program development. But then you find out, then you get economies of scale, you get more money, you get more purchases, you know, all of those things happen. So I, I think the, we're intrinsically don't have sticks and bats and 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 some and pads and all and a lot of things, right? We're stripped down. But I would like you, um, rugby people uh, play second and third sports. That's the cool thing about us. People, you know, they run, they they, they do triathletes, they you know they do they they do other things. And so if you're talking about a rugby player as a consumer, not just a model that somebody at USA Rugby just needs to say and put in front of, you know, an Under Armour or an Adidas and say, hey, you're not just getting us as rugby people buying boots and shorts and socks and so forth they're also getting us as runners and 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 other sports and so forth so those are the complementary activities so we need stuff for this this and this again that's a story you see not 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 uh having a have not compared to other sports yeah it seems to one of our friends seems to talk about like like what is our rugby story and you just illustrated what the american rugby story could be to equipment providers is like we have multi-sport athletes. What you get from rugby players in the United States is multi-sport consumers. Well, what, here's, the, here's, here's the first question. Well, you need to be a good rugby player. You need to be able to run. So you need, you need running shoes and, 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 and kind of your sort – you need to go to the gym. So you need your gym equipment and probably gym shoes if you're serious about it and so forth and all the pieces that go with that. You need your rugby gear, obviously, right? And then rugby is a game for life and a social sport, so you need some stuff to – put on afterwards you know that looks nice and feels good and you know we all like to look alike and dress alike afterwards and all that stuff and as we as we shake hands and have a beer or we dine together when you're in high school so that there's this four there's just four simple elements just that you do just to train right let alone if you're playing other sport or two or three and so forth so you know you know that the single purchaser becomes a multi-purchaser as you know not just the the numbers of individual one two three four people that play the game I think that about wraps up everything for this. Uh, thank you for taking the call, Dan, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. We've got, what, 10 days until uh, this match? Uh, so look forward to seeing you pull off uh, the beachhead for it's the beginning, rugby it's, in the United States. It's the beginning of a, of a, of a level of consistency that, uh, that um, we have started in America, but we need to – we need to keep adding the building blocks onto. So ultimately, we we build our we build the good the, the nice big size house that we all can uh, can, can populate. So uh, everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in this morning, and uh, we'll get Dan back on uh, after this uh, premiership match is complete. This has been Lineouts by Earful of Dirt. Connect with Earful of Dirt online. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. For Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for listening.